As marketers, communities are one of the most important groups that we target. This often includes reporters, clients, and even prospects. Understanding these communities is critical to your success as a marketer because they help you better find and engage your customers. Today's episode, we'll dive deeper into communities and discuss how they've impacted brand interactions and the growth of PR. Joining the B2B Nation is Stacy Miller, the Senior Manager of Journalist Community Engagement at Cision, which is a leading provider of PR software and services. The first question I asked her was how growing communities have impacted how brands interact with their customers. Yeah, and I really, Josh, I love the word communities because it really kind of encompasses what PR professionals and communicators are trying to do. So they're trying to talk to people who are their target audience. So that includes reporters, it includes um, their clients, it includes their prospects. And growing communities, and communities are growing at a rapid rate, so people who identify with a certain industry or a certain topic or a certain cause um, have really impacted how brands interact with their customers in both a positive and a negative way. So to me, the positive is that brands are able to identify where their communities are online. Um, And I like to talk about things really digitally because we live in a digital first world, right? Um, Using keyword searches and kind of being able to relatively easily be able to identify what these communities are talking about. So um, they can easily do a Google search or um, use social media software or the social platforms that are out there and search keywords, search topics search industries and be able to identify what those communities are talking about. So it might be something positive about their brand that they want to reply to, something negative. Um, Maybe there's a conversation there being had by a prospect that brands can listen in on and use that as an opportunity. Um, So there's a lot of positive there when you see growing communities. It makes, um, you know, it's more accessible for us to learn more about our targets, our target audiences. Um, But the real negative in this is that there can be a lot of conversations to sit through um, the online world is full of a lot of noise. And the customers and prospects, they own the conversations, not the brand. And it's kind of a daily task task um, to be a part of the conversation and help shape your brand story and not let all those communities run away with conversations um, about your brand. Yeah, and, and uh, I love I love the word conversations too. I think that that lends itself really to some interesting uh, content, not only from a brand perspective, um, but uh, from a user perspective as well. So, uh, what what would you say, Stacey, are some of the big methods or, or PR trends right now that brands have been using to better find uh, and engage their customers with with those conversations? Absolutely. So um, there are a couple different ones. And tell me if I have to, I have so many really great ideas for this just kind of based on, you know, like what we've done. Um, and, and we have over 100,000 customers and, and we kind of watch what they do and we kind of learn from them as well. Um, so, so there are a couple great methods. Um, one that I saw, uh, you know, using social listening software to find your current audiences as well as finding new audiences to engage with um, by doing industry, product and service keywords searches um, across the web, um, as well as across social networks to listen to what customers and prospects are saying, um, because this is where conversations are happening, especially on social media. So listening to them for a period of time so they can evaluate how candidly they feel about certain things or um, if they have certain feedback on a product or service or a competitor. And then you're able to effectively join the conversation um, and be a trusted part of the community. And that really kind of helps build credibility and trust um, and loyalty because they see brands interacting as regular people one-on-one. It's just much more personable and it humanizes 
a brand. And I really love um, that tactic because people want to talk to other people. Um, they don't want to talk to a robot or a phone system or something that they don't feel is natural. It's important to have that human connection with their customers. So seeing larger brands kind of scale down and make sure that um, they're taking the time to have those one-to-one -one conversations, I think, is, is a really great way to find and better engage customers and prospects. Uh, what are some of the, the big mistakes that companies have made uh, with their PR and their media today? I mean, is it just not having something uh, like a, a software application that can really make sure what they're doing is formalized and, and running uh, efficiently like a lot of other parts of their business? Or uh, how, how can they sort of improve upon that as well? I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, the Coca-Cola example um, is really interesting because it, it shows kind of, um, you know, there's a good side and there's a bad side to automation. So we have really great technology and tools at our fingertips, but it doesn't work without um, personalization um, and real attention to detail and really knowing your target audience. Like, who exactly are they? How do they like to interact? When do they interact? What offends them? Like having a good grasp on that is so important. Um, and that's where like social listening software really becomes key um, to a great PR communication strategy. Um, another mistake I think that companies may make with their media and PR today is kind of assuming that the media or their customers work on their time. So for example, lots of us have data that says that this day and this time is the best to send an email or this time and this day is the best to do this activity um, when the reality is that sometimes it doesn't really work and we have to take a step back and look at how our audience has changed and really listen to them to figure out in what ways they've changed. So, you know, our attention spans are the lowest they've ever been. There's, there's a stat out there that talks about how, you know, a goldfish's attention span is eight seconds and the human attention attention span is two seconds. I have no idea where that comes from, yeah. if it's really true. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a really scary stat. Um, and uh, it really just is that, you know, attention spans are the lowest they've ever been, and they're going to continue to dwindle. So your audiences are second screening and third screening. Do you know what that is? So if I'm on the computer right now, I'm also on my cell phone. Or if I'm watching TV tonight, I'm on my laptop and my tablet, or I'm on my tablet and my mobile. We aren't, humans aren't paying attention to one thing at one time. So it's our job now to intercept users on platforms um, and make them pay attention to us in this world that's just really overloaded with um, information. I think Mark Schaefer, who is one of my favorite content marketing speakers, um, he calls it infobesity, um, which I love. So using um, the same tactics to break through the noise um, is a mistake. So we can't do the same things anymore. We have to listen and learn the types of content users prefer, whether it's data or multimedia, short form or long form content, and then use that data to more effectively reach them. What do you think, Stacey, uh, how, how are these sort of lower attention spans uh, going to impact the future of, of this industry? Um, what will PR look like in 2020? I mean, is it just going to be more and more difficult to, to reach folks? Um, and if you want to look at it from a content marketing perspective, I mean, do we need to start telling uh, more and more interesting stories as opposed to, you know, just throwing out a bunch of uh, random stuff and, and really hoping it sticks? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on uh, sort of the evolution of this industry? 
Yeah. And let me tell you, you said, what will PR look like in 2020? Um, do you realize that that's, that's four years away? Ah, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, isn't that so weird? That's like so 2020 weird. seems like it's really oh the future, gosh, but yeah. we live in the future now, we Josh. Do. Like that's a really big question. And, um, you know, absolutely like platforms are evolving and we're going to have to continue um, to adapt along with those platforms and be the people who test new tools and platforms out ahead of time um, and even more storytelling right so um, people like stories uh, there's we had a really interesting presentation the other day from our CCO and he brought up um, Simon Sinek S-I-N-E-K um, and his golden circle um, kind of methodology as an example about how people like stories and people don't buy the products they buy like the stories behind um the products and the why which is really interesting if you haven't seen his ted talk i would really recommend you looking it up on youtube um and it's also kind of part of the the reason why you know Cision's tagline is power your story you know it's your story you're telling it and it's how you're going to identify with those audiences so um the concept is that you know instead of saying um i think he said you know I am, you know, Apple and we build great computers, so you should buy our computers. It's, you know, we are Apple and we, you know, built something that is beautiful and functional and easy to use and makes your life better. And we believe that um, you, you know, you can use beautiful and functional things too and that it makes your life better. So this is why you should buy a computer. That's probably a little bit, you know, it's deeper what he says, the explanation, but it kind of gives you an idea of how you explain your brand's story rather than just up saying, buy my product. Um, so storytelling, I think, is, is a really important trend. Um, I mean, it's taking place right now. Brands are, are, are telling stories. I mean, Coke is a great example, Coca-Cola. So they have their happiness campaign. So it's not um, buy a Coke because it's delicious. It's um, you know, kids playing soccer and, you know, they're thirsty and then they go get a Coke out of the Coke machine and it delivers happiness. Like that's a resonating message. It makes people feel good. So, um, thinking that way, um, when you're telling your story as a communicator, um, more things kind of for 2020, I, I kind of sat and I thought about it for a second. Um, I'm hoping that it's even more hyper-personalized um, and really focused on data, um, multimedia, and the evolution of the platform. So as I kind of mentioned earlier, technology and the way that we reach our audiences, it's continuing to evolve. It's never going to stop evolving. Um, and obviously mobile and social media are really strong focuses now. So I see those continuing to get much larger pieces of the pie. Yeah, for sure. And, and I love that you mentioned the Coca-Cola example. Uh, again, this is turning into the Coca-Cola uh, Hits and Misses podcast. But um, uh, they they just, I think, recently actually rebranded their – they had an entirely new campaign called Taste the Feeling. So I feel mm -hmm. like even in these, like, you know, old, awesome campaigns, there still is evolution and, and you know, much-needed change to that uh, to better reach an audience that is becoming uh, increasingly uh, – you know, more difficult to, uh, to reach. So, uh, another perfect example there. I, I love that, uh, Stacey. So, um, uh, one sort of final question here, um, from this, I guess, sort of main section of the interview. Um, what, what are some unconventional ways to get media coverage? Um, I, I feel like we've sort of touched on this a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I want to go a little bit deeper. Um, what would you say from a PR standpoint, um, are those unconventional ways effective? Um, or are, can they sort of be uh, frustrating? What, what would you say? 
Um, I like the question of unconventional ways because I think it's important as communicators to think outside the box and kind of use the tools that we have to our advantage and think of new ways to use them um, because there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of noise, um, but there are a lot of great tools that can help us um, spread the word. There's lots of great software. So I have two kind of unconventional ways, one that's really organic um, that I think is interesting and one that's kind of a shameless plug but also really helpful. So my first way, um, and it's an, actually an example that comes from one of our clients and uh, you know, some PR practitioners are very focused on those top tier targets. There's like a running joke in PR um, where you're, you know, you're a PR pro and you go and you talk to your executives and you say, okay, what are my goals for this year? And they say, I want to be on Oprah. And it's just like, oh my, oh, oh my gosh, like that's really hard. You know, that's really hard to do. Uh. And, you know, I love Oprah, but I'm really glad that she's off the air now because now there's a little bit less pressure to get on Oprah because Oprah was the goldmine PR opportunity, right? Um, you know, an equivalent today is, you know, your, your C-suite telling you, okay, we want to get in the Wall Street Journal and we want to get in the New York Times today. And you're left going, uh-oh, that's, that's quite a bit of work. Um, and it takes time to get there. Those targets are really lofty and hard to attain unless you have something very innovative and very different. Um, and really great relationships. So um, instead of going for the jugular first, um, I think an unconventional way to get media coverage is to strategically um, research and target small outlets that the larger outlets often look at, um, and it trickles up and it leads to media coverage there. So for example, one of our clients, um, instead of going for the jugular, um, he targeted local television stations. And when a local segment aired, um, producers of the Today Show, which was one of their parent companies, saw it and then asked um, that brand to come and make an appearance. And that's a really great example of the trickle-up effect. Um, so I really love that. You know, smaller coverage can really build up to larger coverage. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a way of just rethinking the way that we work. We just rethink um, the timeline or the chronology of um, getting media coverage. And then the other way also kind of flips the traditional um, commu communications model um, on its head. So um, we produce really great software, and one of the softwares that we're really proud of is this completely free service. It's called Help a Reporter Out. Um, and while a lot of great PR is done by doing research and creating great pitches and reaching out to the media outlets, um, there's also something to be said for listening to what the reporters are talking about um, and hearing from them and responding directly to them um, on what stories they're working for. So what Harrow did was it reversed the model and it said, hey, reporters, you tell us what stories you're working on and we'll only have the qualified sources reach out to you. So there are higher chances of media coverage. Um, and so it's a completely free service. You can sign up at helperreporter.com. Um, and we have reporters from like the AP, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Reuters, Huffington Post, kind of all of those brands down to, um, you know, your niche bloggers and podcasters. Um, and you hear what the reporters are working on and you kind of get a feel for who does what and what the trends are in media today. And then you can reply directly to them um, if you're fit. And then if you're qualified, you may get included in the story. So trying to find tools that really speak to the right audiences, um, think in different ways, I think are also a great way to experiment and try to, to get media coverage. So thinking differently than how everybody else and, and, and figuring out pitches and ways to reach the media that stand out from the traditional way that they're being reached out to, um, I think can really make an impact. Yeah, gosh, I love both of those examples. It's so, so good. Uh, one final question here, how can our listeners find out more about you and about Cision? 
Sure. So you can learn more about Cision by visiting Cision.com. That's C-I-S-I-O-N. Um, and you can learn about the software and services that we provide, which include public relations. Um, we have a media database, influencer relations, um, social media monitoring and analytics press release distribution, and much, much, much more. Um, and if anyone is interested in gaining some more industry knowledge, we have a lot of free resources. So if you click on the Resources tab, which includes webinars that you can view at your convenience, um, we have in-depth white papers and also upcoming live events that we also host, um, you can check that out as well. And if anybody would like to reach out to me, I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. It's just Stacy Miller, or you can reach me at stacy.miller at cision.com. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again, Stacey, for joining me today. Such a, such a cool conversation. Uh, I think I will definitely be doing more PR, uh, you know, podcasts from here out. This is this is a really a really great first one. So uh, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Yeah, of course. Also, thank you so much to our listeners for following along. To find out more about B2B Nation, including our IT and HR editions, check out our website, technologyadvice.com backslash podcast. Uh, lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening.